Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. It's good to be back. It's been three weeks since I've been I've preached. Chris was last week, and then um, I'm trying to think who would, uh, Melvin was the week before, and uh, now to be back is, is very nice. We are kicking off a, like a three-week series called Generosity Flows, and I want to talk about what it means to be generous and what we... Uh, uh, for I, I had the wine glass because I want to just stir up some religious people, um, but it is Diet Coke, so it doesn't, you know, it's not really, I'm not starting this early off with wine. Um, but we're, we're going to kick off this series, genera, 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 easy for me to say, Generosity Flows. And uh, it's out of 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11. So join me as we read this, and this will be the foundational passage for the next uh, several weeks. And it says this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work as it is written. Sorry, getting ahead. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, and the righteous endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply an increase to the store of seed, and it will enlarge the harvest of their righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Let's, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, for your scriptures. Lord, I thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. God, that you'd give us ears to hear and eyes to see, Father God. I, Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts to what you have for us, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 Can anybody else see the light flashing, or is it just me? No, you can see it too? It's like strobe light? Like, is, is it? it uh, yeah, yeah, it's like flash dance. I want to do a dance here. You throw water on me. <laughs> such an, an, an 80s reference. Everybody, any of the young people are like, what the heck he's talking about? Um, so we are, I'm going to do this series. We're going to go through the series called Gener uh, Generosity Flows. But there's this, this tension of be and do in, in our relationship is with Jesus. There's always this tension of be and do. And what I mean by that is this. You know, you're saved by grace through faith that no man should boast. What does that mean? There is nothing you could ever do to earn your salvation. Period. Exclamation point. You can't read enough. You can't pray enough. You can't go to church enough. You can't give enough. You can't do anything to receive the grace that God gives you. But, and here's where the tension is that we got to walk in. When you receive God's grace, it changes you. So much so that you end up doing. Does that make sense? I don't do because I'm trying to get God's approval. That's not it. 
I do because he changed my life. And he changes so much, so, uh, so much that, that I, I, I want to do. I want to experience. I want to be a part of what he has asked me to be a part of. And James 1, 22 says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. It literally says that, that this word, the truth, God's word, gives us an outline of how to live life. And he says, do what it says. And your life will go a lot uh, better. This summer. Now, well, let, well, let me go back up because I declare. Better because God is in control. Not better because you're not going to go through a bunch of crap. You're still going to go through that. Jesus says, though, I'll walk with you in it. I'll be with you in the middle of that stuff. So that's what I'm talking about. So this summer, I want to challenge us as a church. If you're a visitor here today, thank you for coming. Love to have you. Glad you're here. Come back. Um, if, you, if you don't live here, you can still do and walk in the challenges that I'm going to ask of you today. Um, and it's this. This summer, I'm going to challenge you with three do's. Because there's this position we've been talking about of how beautiful are the feet that bring the good news of the gospel. But then I've had several people ask me, what does that mean? How do I become the God? How do, how do my feet? bring the gospel to people and I want to give you three practical ways that that will happen this summer the three do's are this starting today May 15th generosity flows out of our meals flows out of our meals I'll explain generosity flows out of our giving it happens practically through our giving and generosity flows out of our stories it comes forth from who we are these three things over the next uh, three weeks I am speaking on to set the table for the summer. And what I'm asking you to do, as I'm asking us to do, as a church. And it's really around this. We've spent eight weeks, I think it was, on this one scripture, Romans 10, 15. And how, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And I, I want to take and, and put some practical legs, some life, to this scripture. Because again, as you said, many of you said, well, what does that mean? How do I bring beautiful feet? Blah, blah, blah. That's great for you. You're a preacher. No, no, no. I want to bring it down to this place, the least common denominator. Those who aren't preachers, those who aren't pastors, I want to bring it into your house and I want you to walk out and I want your feet to be the beautiful feet that bring the gospel, the good news of Christ Jesus. And I'm not talking about sitting at home and preaching to someone. I'm not talking about signs that say you're going to hell. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I'm talking about you being who God created you to be. And I'll show you that uh, today. Um, and then on, on the 29th, which is, is uh, Memorial Day weekend, we're going we're gonna to celebrate as we kick off these three weeks and we're going to have a meal together. I'm, trying to, I'm going back and forth between barbecue, tacos, and pizza. I don't know yet, but I'll, I'll, uh, pizza, we say pizza. It's homemade pizza. Thank you, Eddie. It's homemade pizza, so it's we had it once before. Mike makes it. It's phenomenal. Tacos, well, we'll figure it out, but we're going to have a meal together, kicking off into summer, and, and really asking you guys to walk this out as believers over this time this summer. Week one, we're talking about meals. We're talking about meals. What does that mean, meals? I talk about meals a lot, and there's some stats that I brought up. Most of these, of, of most of us eat three meals a day. Some of us eat more, some of us eat less. Therefore, there's no condemnation. I'm not here to call anybody out. But it says most of us eat three meals a day. Over the span of the year, that's 1,095 meals. A lot of food being consumed. 
In 1970, Americans spent 26% of their food budget eating out. 26%. Today, or not today, this is the, 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 the most recent stat I found, but 2010, that number had uh, almost doubled. 41%. Look, it's, it's, it's not easy, especially if you have five kids. If you have children, you're constantly going places and you're constantly doing sports. You're constantly trying to, you know, backfill meals because it's hard to have them. But I can tell you this. That one of the things that we have committed to as a family is dinner together. Dinner together. And we probably three plus nights a week, we as a family are eating together. Eating a meal. We believe in that and that principle. And I want to challenge you on that because I think it's so important. And it's become so important in my children's lives that now they text us. Are we having family dinner tonight? Are we having family dinner tonight? Or Chris and I will slip out and have dinner by ourselves. We're like, why aren't you home? Why aren't we eating together? I'm like, because I want to just be with her. Thank you. <laughs> Fewer than half parents surveyed admitted that they had eaten together six or seven nights out of the previous week. Families just don't eat together like they used to. It's too easy to go out and eat. But there's something that happens around a meal. So the do's is this. The, the, the tension between be and do. The do that I'm asking for is this. Starting the week of June 6th, you can start tomorrow actually if you want, through August 30th, I'm asking us as a church to eat with others. Once a week with someone other than your family and three times a week with your family. Okay, not enough people writing this down, but that's all right. You guys, you guys are a lot smarter than me. Steve, you can memorize this. I, you know, I'm asking you each week to have a meal with someone. Now, what I'm asking, what I like is you bring someone into your home and have a meal. But if you can't do that, at least once a month, bring someone into your home and have a meal. Otherwise, take them to lunch and have a meal. But what I'm also asking is that your immediate family, that you have three meals together. Now, if you're single, you're going, ah, my family, I have a provision for that. It's, it's coming up, so I'll, I'll tell you about that. Um, and if you're single, just grab a hold of one of us families and go, I want to come to dinner. And you're more than welcome. I'm asking us to do this over this summer. I'm asking you to commit to this. And this is going to make some of you very uncomfortable. Even right now as we're speaking, some of you are going, oh my gosh, I got to cook, I got to clean, I got to do whatever I've got to do. And I'm saying, you know, I, I remember this, this scene in, in Matthew where Jesus is hanging on a cross and blood is flowing and his arms are raised and he's dying. And you're worried about cleaning? Come on, that was kind of funny. It was a little bit funny. It was sarcasm. Look, I'm not asking you to change the world. I'm just asking you. Here's what, here's a little secret. We invite people over just so our house can get cleaned. <laughs> little trick. It's, it's this mess. I'm like, let's invite someone. And everybody knows when I say, let's invite someone. Oh, we're going to clean the house. Perfect. <laughs> not a bad way to go about it. The do. Here's what I'm asking. That you would commit to praying. And you'd ask God, like, who, who would you like me to invite over? Who is it? And, and, and I'm not just asking you to pray about it. I'm, and I'm asking you to calendar it. I'm asking you to be very, very in, intentional. Because what you're not intentional about will never happen. But if you sit down on a Sunday night and go, okay, this week I'm going to invite whomever. We're going to invite whomever you're more than likely to do that. 
And I'm asking us as a church to do that. Why? Because how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel of Christ Jesus to others. Uh, the other thing I'd like as we do this is I want, I want your stories. I want your stories. I want to hear what happened um, when you guys had your meals with people. Um, why is it important to eat together? Why does it matter? Why am I going, let's eat together? What, what does this have to, to do with anything? Uh, well, I can show you statistically, life happens around the dinner table. Real life happens right here. There's some that happens when you're talking to a kid and they're just kind of, they're like this, you know. They're not looking in the eyes and they're just, they're, they're eating and you ask a question and defenses start to come down. You ever notice that? That's not wine, I promise you. Do you ever notice that when you're eating with someone, these things just start to, defenses and, and they get relaxed and little kids start, you know, just all, all these things. Regular family dinners are associated with the lower rates of depression, anxiety, substance abuse, eating disorders, tobacco use, early teenage pregnancy, oops, we missed that one, and higher rates of resilience and higher self-esteem. It's not perfect, folks. It's not a guarantee. But the stats go down. <laughs> Where is she in here? Where is my beautiful daughter? She's, she's working children's church, giving her life for everybody. But uh, look, uh, this is, is so true. It's so true. I want to go through nine meals that Jesus had. Nine meals with Jesus. See, mealtime was big, a big deal to Jesus. Because it was a chance to deepen friendships, welcome strangers, and serve the poor. And lastly, it was a time to listen. You want to grab your children's uh, hearts? You want to know what's going on in your children's lives? There's two times. The two most, two most critical times to grab a hold of your children are one at the dinner table and two is 12 or 1 o'clock at night. When everybody's in bed and they just got home and they're wide awake. I can't do that one because I've already been to bed for five hours. That's my wife, what she does, one in the morning, those conversations. But I love cooking. I enjoy the dinner table. That's my time. And Jesus understood this principle. Number one, dining with sinners. We see in Luke 5, 27 to 32, that Levi had this great banquet and, and Jesus was at his house and the large ca uh, crowd of tax collectors and, you know, just uh, all these people that you wouldn't want to hang out with. The table was, was filled with those that they didn't like or that were despised or those that shouldn't have been at that table. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to these disciples, why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why do you eat? Why at your table are there people that shouldn't be at your table? Let me tell you, that's exactly where they should be, at your table. Those that others don't see as fit. Jesus says this, why, why is dining with sinners so important? It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The reality is this, is dining with sinners, you're included. You're one of them. You're not holy, selfless, and righteous like the Pharisees thought they were sitting at this meal with everything meticulously placed, real wine, ripe salads, and everything. You know, I don't know if they ate salads. They definitely didn't eat McDonald's McMeals. I know that. But uh, that's all I could get this time. Uh, everything perfect, yet everything wasn't perfect. 
They were sinners. A lot like me. A lot like you. Jesus made a point of, of getting right in the middle. How beautiful are the feet that bring the gospel, the good news of Christ Jesus, right in the heart of people who don't know him. Who are the sinners. Dine with sinners. And men, I'm not just talking about dining with your wives. Come on. You guys are slow. I should have said women. I'm not just talking about you dining with it. Number two, we see Jesus the uninvited guest. Luke 7, 36 through 50. Have you ever hosted a party and someone just busted in or someone unexpected or someone that, that, that was unwanted showed up? I, about a, it's probably about six weeks ago. Again, I love cooking and, and I was cooking this big meal and barbecue and, and uh, one of my buddies showed up. But I, I, I was, I don't, I didn't want to share dinner with him. He liked to talk, it wasn't you, I promise. I'm back there, I'm just, my, my buddy. Um, it, it, he just, he would talk and I knew he would, he would take over the conversation and the whole night that I was trying to plan. And, and, and unlike Jesus, I just kept cooking it and then when it got to a certain point, I said, all right, it's great seeing you. He did get the point and left. He was an uninvited guest that I just, I didn't want to invite, not Jesus. Like, look, look for something like that. Look for a time when you're cooking, when you're doing something, and an uninvited guest comes along and you go, hey, you want to come have dinner with us tonight? That smells pretty good. I got extra, do you want to? And see what they might do. See, because you never know who that uninvited guest might be. See, Jesus went to Simon the Pharisee's house for dinner with an with a in crowd. You know, they were top, talking about all the hot discussions and topics. But guess who showed up? Entered to the house, the sinful woman. She crossed the invisible barrier into the invited. She, she walked through this place that she could and wasn't supposed to dine. She, she sat at a table with the holy ones. Such a joke. See, the uninvited guest, I don't believe is consequences. I believe God is sovereign. And I believe the uninvited guest is God going, hey, what about this person? What about this person? Number three, feeding the hungry. This is huge. In Luke's account, Jesus fed 5,000 people, not including women and children, who had come to hear him speak. And he didn't have to feed them. You know, they were receiving the word of God. They were getting spiritually fed. He didn't have to feed them. But there was something practical about Jesus taking these people that he was preaching to and, and, and taking the fish and whatever they had and, and bread and breaking it and, and then it multiplying and him feeding every person that was there that sat. There was something practical about putting food in someone's mouth. There's something even more intimate about putting someone food in their mouth and inviting them into your home. Uh, this today turned into a day of confession. So, uh, um, homeless lady living in her car across from our house. I mean, I, I cook regularly. I love to cook. We always have plenty of food. We always cook more food because I know the rats come home at about 12 and eat for the second or third time and destroy the rest of the food. So there's always plenty of food. 
And the homeless lady in the car across the street was, in fact, homeless. And uh, I went over and said, uh, hey, why don't you come in for dinner? No. <laughs> I said, hey, here's some money. Get yourself something to eat. Now, now I, I, I accomplished something. And, and, and that was fine, and that's good. But, but uh, Jesus wasn't about just the spiritual food. He was about the physical food, and he was about what would happen when you fed someone. Why is it so important? important? Because meeting the basic needs of people often ministers to them more than words and ultimately gives you an open door that can lead to a deeper conversation. It's easy to go, here's five bucks, go get a McDonald's. It's a lot more difficult to say, come into my house. I don't know about that smell. I don't know what you've been drinking or take. I don't know what you're going to say to my kid. Well, let's reverse it. I don't know what my kids are going to say to you. <laughs> Ken, it was funny. You guys have to stay with me, though. Um, <laughs> I... All the unknowns. Jesus said, feed the hungry. There's something intimate about inviting someone who's completely vulnerable into your house, sit at your table, and eat a meal with you when you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, most of you that I know, everybody I know in here that I invite you, I, I got a pretty good beat on the fact that you're not going to, you know, be cussing and swearing and, well, except for Eddie. Uh, you're not going to be, you know, drooling all your food and all, you know, you're going to be, everything's going to be in line. I don't know. But the Bible says feed the hungry. And, and, and Jesus knew this, that when he met a physical need, there was an opening spiritually. This is going to be a tough one for some of you, and maybe the, the opportunity won't open up for you to do this, but I, I would encourage you over this next three months over the summer, Look for an opportunity. It, it will kill something in you called pride. It, it, will, it will pull something out of you called self-righteousness. It will, it will knock something out of you called religion. And you'll come on the other side and you go, oh God, thank you. That's the church. That's the church. Number four washing what matters. Washing what matters. Luke 11, we see in Jesus' time, the roads were dusty and traveling. You know, you, you can only imagine what their feet were like. You can only imagine the dirt, you know, that the person accumulated while walking through dirt roads for miles on end. And, and when he in, was invited to dine with the Pharisees, he was criticized for not washing. They weren't talking about washing your hands before dinner. They were judging him because he didn't perform the complex washing or the ritual. Look, all of us have these rituals when it comes to dinner. At our house, I sit here, Jack sits there, Chris sits here, uh, Georgia, Hudson, TJ, we, we all have our seats. We all have this tradition. And when someone comes into our house, we go, oh, no, no, don't sit there, that's where Chris sits. Or don't sit there, that's where dad sits. Or, or, or you know, don't do that or don't do this. And we have our, our ceremonial things that need to happen, but they don't need to see that. They need to see you. And more importantly, they need to see Jesus. Wash what matters. It, 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 it is um, 
this. Life is messy. Stop trying to control everything. If you look at the table out there, you know the table you walk in and, and you, you, Jim tries to get you guys to put name tags on, you don't, that's all right, sorry dad. He's got his on though, so you know him. But you know that table when you come in, that table that where you come in was our family table for how many years? For, I don't know, 20 years, 15, 20 years. And uh, so all of our kids grew up on that table. When we first got it, Grammy came into town to visit us, my mom. And she had, she's not here this morning, but oh, that's good, so I can talk trash on her. So she, she has all my kids at that time, I don't know, there's three or four at the time, around the table, and they're playing with glue and glitter. You know where I'm going. I mean, we were excited about that. We were starting to be grown up and have our own furniture and stuff, and we we're excited, and here's this beautiful table, and, and Grammy's playing with glue and glitter. Now, it, it's a farmhouse table, so there's a lot of grooves, and so you can imagine when she was done with them, and when we get home, there was glitter stuck in all the cracks and all the crevices, and all of a sudden, our, our dinner table that was so, you know, this is our beautiful dinner day, was a glitter table. And we're picking and we're mad as heck and like, how can Grammy do that? And why would she let these kids play with glitter on our table and blah, blah, blah. I don't know if she knows that we're mad about this. We, because, uh, sorry, she does. Okay, yeah, well, she knows. Um, it, it was, but here's the thing. 20 years later, we look at him and go, that was amazing. It, it's who we are. It's still there. If you went over there, you look. 20 years later, you'll see little pieces of glitter. It, it, life is messy. Wash what matters, not what doesn't matter. And when you bring people over and things are spilled and it doesn't look right and the house isn't perfect and you're worried about, it doesn't matter. What matters is Jesus in you. Amen. What matters is that you're loving others well. What matters is that you're communing, that you're having a meal together, that you're talking. And I'm not talking about you breaking out the Bible. Well, John 3 says this, let me tell you, person. That's not what I'm talking about, living life. And if God opens a door and somehow a scripture comes out, or if God opens a door and you, 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 you have something, great. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the hands and feet of Jesus. How beautiful are the feet that bring food. How beautiful are the feet that bring peace. How beautiful are the feet of someone's home that is open up to you so that you can commune. That's what he's talking about. Wash what matters. Life is messy. We know that. Stop trying to control it. Stop trying to control it. Number five, consider your conversation. When Jesus accepted a dinner invitation to the home of the Pharisees, he, he was ready to speak. He knew his scriptures, but he, he, didn't, he, he had in him this, this purposeful thought process, and, and he was very well versed on all the topics, and he would sit and he would talk with these men. And conversation would be stimulated. Why? Because when Jesus had a point to make on a difficult subject, he didn't go into a long dissertation, a drawn out monologue or anything. He was at a dinner table and it's between bites that they're talking and they're, they're like, my mouth's a little full, sorry, I'm trying not to spit on you, but let me tell you what's going on. Don't eat with your mouth full. Wash what matters. Don't spit Wash what matters. And Jesus would just give these thoughts, these parables, these little, you know, it wasn't this long, drawn-out dissertation. 
your kids are sitting at your table and you're having a great time and you're talking about life and what's going on and all of a sudden this is me I'm, this is another indictment on me Chris just busts my chops all the time all of a sudden <clears throat> I go into this exegetical teaching for 30 minutes on some subject that she's like we just wanted to drive the car I didn't need 15 points on what, what could happen if I drove the car wrong. I just, we just wanted to talk and you, you, what are you doing? Consider your conversation. What are you talking? One of the things we did um, as, oops, sorry, uh, we did with our family and, and maybe we can do some for you. We have a, we have a, 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 like a jar or something and in it we had, I don't know, like a hundred questions just pieces of paper with questions on them. And at dinner, we would pull it out and then we'd pull a, pull a question. And then we'd talk about it as a family. Just kind of wrestle through it, you know. Some, and, and you want to find out what your kids think and what they're, 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 they're going through? Ask questions at the dinner table. You want to find out how they process life? Have a meal with them because they're, they're not trying to be calculated at the meal. They're, they're, they're just eating and you ask a question and, and they just talk. All of a sudden it goes from process what's dad trying to get at and why is he going to get me here if he, I say the wrong thing to I'm eating. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? It just brings the defenses down. That's what food does. That's what meals do. And Jesus said, consider your conversation. Consider what you might say. Consider what you might talk about. And it's important because people are listening. Number six, invite yourself over. This is the one, okay? If you're single, if you, if you don't know, look, invite yourself. I have no problem to that. I, I, I have invited myself to meals all the time. I was at a friend's house last, was it Monday night or whatever. Uh, Chris was down here doing some stuff. And TJ's, my buddy's in, and I just said, what are we having for dinner? I, I, I don't have a problem. Hey, you got an extra plate, I'm in. I, invite yourself, invite yourself in. Look at Zacchaeus, curious about Jesus, you know, hanging in the tree, short guy, can't see anything, blah, 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 blah. We know the story of Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector. Nobody likes the tax collector. He's not getting invited to any of the parties. He's not going to be sitting with the Pharisees. He's not going to be sitting at the head of the table. That's just not who he is. So what does he do? He, go, he goes in, a sinner, and he reaches out to Jesus. He reaches out to Jesus and respected the rabbi. He didn't know he needed salvation. He likely had little hope of acceptance in the community. But he, he said, come to my house, Jesus. Have a meal. Invite yourself to a meal. You see someone that you're like, man, that's Go, hey, what if I came over for dinner sometime? Open door. Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. Number seven. Put your guests first. I, and it sounds so, you know, so, you know, like that's obvious. But, but it's not necessarily. Jesus, the last supper, Passover meal with the disciples. This, this is 
filled with meaning. So many prophetic things going on. You know, it, it, this meal brings depth and it brings intimacy. And Jesus is at this table with these men. And it's, there's just, they're opening it up. And, and, and what's so important, he puts the guests first. He doesn't talk about his suffering. He talks about what's going to happen when he raised again from the dead. That these disciples might know him, have everlasting life, and preach the gospel. He doesn't talk about, I'm going to go to a cross and I'm going to bear my, your sins and I'm going to get hammered to a cross and you guys are the reason. He's sitting there with the one who's going to betray him. Not unlike many of you parents that are sitting at the same table with the ones that will betray you. But it wasn't about him. It was about how he was going to restore them. It was about how he was going to love them. It was about how he was going to change their lives. It was about how he was going to make them the men and women who God had called them to be. Too many times at the table with someone, it's about me. It's all about me. Did you hear about me today? And God goes, what about you? Tell me about your day. We do a thing at, at our house called Peaks and Pits. So it's, it's when we're sitting around the table and everybody's... Um, eaten and then we go, okay, what's your peak for the day? What's your pit for the day? Now, McKenna would say if you asked her, you only do it when guests are over so you can impress them. It's not true. We do it when guests aren't there also, but, but it's, it's just a way of, of communicating. I'm telling you, when food's going into their stomach, down their, 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 into their gut, they're just, they're open. They're open. Put your guests first. Number eight, food opens your eyes. You know, when I come to the table, when, when we come to the table, it's usually at, at, at five o'clock and six o'clock in the afternoon, and you're coming with a bunch of stuff. Just your day and your stuff that's in your head and in your soul, and, 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 and it's just like, ah. But when you come to the table and you start eating, food opens your eyes. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus. There's something that happens when you're eating. See, people feel closer to people who are eating together. There's a trust, there's a cooperation, there's an honesty. There, there are, are just a few consequences of, of, of feeling close um, to someone. But there's this openness that, that doesn't happen when you're at the office or when you're somewhere else. There's something that just, it just naturally falls off people when they're sitting at the dinner table. Usually at the dinner table when I'm with my kids and there's someone that's angry, we'll, we'll you know, we try not to exasperate them, but I, I'm not good at that. So, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of poke and prod a little bit. And then oh, what we find is you start eating over time. Maybe not at the beginning of the meal, but the, by the end of the meal, people are just open. That may be the same for people that you invite into your home. You know, you may need to, to uh, spend some time just, just setting the table, meaning um, your conversation, your prayer, and, and allowing the food to open their eyes. Allowing the food to open their eyes. Number nine, lastly, discipleship happens over dinner. We're all called to be disciples. If you know Jesus, you're called to be a disciple of Christ Jesus. You're, you're, you're called to be one who goes and brings the good news of the gospel. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel, the good news of the gospel. 
Uh, discipleship happens over dinner. Here it is in John 13. It was just before Passover festival. Jews knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world. Or Jesus knew, sorry. That the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having looked, loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, look what he does. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothes, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after he poured water into the basin, he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel and wrapping around him. Look, when I invite people into my house, it's a, it, there's a level of discipleship that takes place. What does that mean? This is how I treat people. This is how I am with my wife. These are the conversations that we have within our family. These are the dynamics. At our dinner table, people have seen us lose our minds and resolve lost minds. At the dinner table, people have seen us come clean with things and people have seen us not come clean. It, it is just, just this whole hodgepodge of stuff that takes place. But discipleship happens because when I'm very in, uh, intentional when we invite people and how we uh, and what we do because it's an opportunity for people to see. Maybe there's someone that didn't have a good family life. Maybe there's someone that didn't have a mom and a dad. Maybe there's someone that didn't have kids involved. But they're coming into your world and you're discipling them to into what it means to be a Christian and eat together. You're showing them what it looks like. Jesus serves at this meal. So much so he gets on his hands and knees and washes the feet of his disciples. Remember what we said, dirty feet. And before the meal, the Pharisees would have been through the roof. Jesus, you're getting ready to have this Passover meal and you're washing their feet. Discipleship happens and Jesus is showing you and me what we do when we invite people into our home. We wash their feet. We serve them. We love them well. What happens in discipleship? Foot washing, prayer, relationship, forgiveness, intimacy. All these things happen over a meal. All these things happen at the dinner table. And when we look at the statistics that say that families aren't eating together, there's no way that you can tell me there's not a correlation between the two. The families that don't eat together and families that are struggling. Families that don't spend time together at a table and families that don't know Jesus. Families that don't do this regularly and kids and everybody going, going different directions. You cannot convince me that it, that, that doesn't doesn't have a correlation. Prayer, forgiveness, intimacy all take place right here when you're eating. Jesus said this, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. It's discipleship. My, my hope is when, when people come into my house that maybe, just maybe, they'll see a little bit of Jesus. Maybe this one time I won't yell at Chris. Maybe, just maybe, the Holy Spirit would fall on our place, our home, and people could taste who Jesus is. Maybe, just maybe I'd feed someone who's hungry. Physically hungry. And maybe, just maybe, I could feed someone who was spiritually hungry. They were struggling. 
having a bad day, a bad week, a bad year, a bad month. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, these beautiful feet would bring the hope of the gospel to someone who doesn't know that Jesus. Maybe we could meet a need. Maybe we could introduce them to the creator of heaven and earth. It's not my end game, meaning I'm not set up, okay, today, here's the strategy, folks. Uh, Jack, you pull out John 3.16. Hudson, you pull out the family Bible. McKenna, you pull out the cross, and let's just get them. We've never had that meeting, have we? We've never had that meeting. No, but very, I'm very cognizant of the meal that we're having with people and the opportunities that Jesus might give. And for those who know Jesus, it's a time for discipleship. For those who don't, it's a time for hope. It's a time for hope. So what am I asking us? I'm asking us to be the church. I'm not asking you to go to Huntington Beach and stand on the corner and preach the gospel. I'm asking you to cook a meal and preach the gospel. I'm asking you to love well. I'm asking you to feed the hungry. I'm asking you to feed the spiritual hunger in people. I'm asking you to be what this Bible calls us to be, Christians. Huh, isn't that crazy? Come to church and they ask you to be a Christian. Gosh, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep the standards so high for you guys, I'm so sorry. I'm asking you to have a meal. Jesus' example provides us with the opportunity to invite friends, outcasts, and even enemies to know God's story and love salvation through a meal. John 13, 17, he says this, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Don't walk out this door today. Just go, oh, that was a nice little message. And then it not change you. The be and do has to do with, I encountered God's grace and changed my life forever. Now how do I not do this? How do I not do this? Now that this is an accountability here, what does that mean? You'll stand before God and you'll give an account to this message. Not because of me, but because of this word. Because Jesus says, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. I'm asking us to do them. As comfortable and as uncomfortable as they may be for some of us, I'm asking you to do them. Because that's who God has called us to be as a church. As a band comes up, we're going to receive communion. Eddie, can you help me just kind of move this? We'll move it down here. That's fine. Just put it down there for now so the band's out of their way. In the backs of your chairs are, are communion cups. <clears throat> I didn't even touch on this meal, or I did, but, but a little bit. There you go. <laughs> this meal was one that, that the Bible says that when you come together, he said, Jesus says, receive this meal as a family together whenever you come together. This is one of my favorite parts of the service. I, I love communing with you and with the Lord. 
Because it says on the night that Jesus betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He says, this is my body that was broken for you. Remember me when you receive this. It's a time of, of remembering and going, okay, this is who you are. And this is who I am. And then it said that he took the, the juice or the wine that represented his blood on the night that he was betrayed. And, and, and he took that and, and he said, when you drink this, remember what my blood did. It, it washed away your sins. No more guilt. No more condemnation. Literally what he says is this. When you walk out these doors, you're free. I can back it up. The moment that you came into a relationship with Jesus, you became free. You just forgot. There's freedom in Christ Jesus. So now as you, on your own, as you receive the bread and then receive the juice, just take a moment. Just take a moment and reflect on what Jesus did for you. If you don't know Jesus, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved, Romans 10, 9. If you confess your sin, he is faithful to forgive. Many times we take it together, but I, I'm going to let you just on your own receive communion. And when you're done, in an act of obedience, I'll ask that you stand and you worship with us. So, Father, we thank you for this time, Lord. I thank you for food that you created for us, Father God, that we could enjoy. Lord, I thank you what happens around the dinner table. And I thank you for who you are, for your son who died for our sins some 2,000 years ago. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.